0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We are po- podcasting a Bible study that is posted each Wednesday evening for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Even some people in the Omaha area cannot be with us in person during the, that time for various reasons, health reasons, physical problems, work schedules, But they want to be in God's word. And of course, there are many people who listen to our podcasts all across the country and literally around the world, and they want to be in God's word. They want to study. They want to hear what God's word really says. They want to come to a better, fuller understanding of what the scriptures teach. Well, but obviously, living where they live, they cannot be with us in person during our regular Bible class sessions. So we podcast Bible studies on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, and plus we podcast a daily radio program Monday through Friday called Search the Scriptures, and we podcast a short Bible study, about 13 or 14 minutes each day, seven days a week, that we call today's Bible class. Now many people listen to various of our of our, various ones of our podcasts and again they want to be in God's word. So we're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to teach God's word on the widespread basis of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful you're there and we're thankful that we're here with you teaching God's word at this particular time. Now we encourage you to help people in your life learn god's word grow in their faith and faith comes by hearing the word of god romans 10 and verse 17 by sharing these studies with everybody you can you can do that through facebook friends text messages and other technological means also tell people to go to our website at churchofchrist.com churchofchrist.com and click on the podcast button and sign up for a podcasting it's free it always will be free We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. So tell them to sign up for our podcasting. When they do, they will receive automatically to whatever smart device they choose, their phone, their computer, whatever, they will receive all of that material that we're talking about, plus all of our sermons. And they can also access a tremendous amount of Bible study material that is posted on our website at churchofchrist.com. And again, all for free. We're going to get back into our study from the gospel account according to John, John the Apostle, writing this particular gospel account of the ministry of Jesus Christ when he was upon this earth. Now, we're actually in chapter 6. This is the longest of all of the chapters in John's gospel account, and it really is rich in teaching. So when we began, we talked about how the opening section of this particular chapter, chapter 6 of, of, of the Gospel account according to John, it, it discussed and it laid out for us Jesus miraculously feeding about 5,000 men, again, miraculously, with five small loaves and two small fish. And then we saw where Jesus walked on the water as uh, you know as he went to join the apostles in a boat that they were rowing across the sea he walked across that sea on top of the water and joined them in that boat while they were going through a storm you know a, a big wind that was impeding or hindering their progress to get across that particular body of water but once he got into the boat with them they were at the shore where they were traveling now we found also that a lot of the men who were there the day before who had been fed miraculously by Jesus, and again, about 5,000, the text tells us, they kind of camped out at the base of the mountain where Jesus went up into after he had fed them. And they had some of them had wanted to take him by force and make him their king uh, because they they were so impressed with the miracle of you know, they're being fed and so many other men being fed on that occasion in that particular place. But their motive was not what Jesus was really looking for. They wanted they wanted him to take care of them, is the is the appearance. And so the next morning, when they get up, you know, the sun comes up. Maybe somebody had sent some men up into the mountain where Jesus went looking for him. He wasn't there. He was on the other side of the the sea by that time with the apostles. And so they got into some boats themselves, and they went across the sea to Capernaum. And when they got there, they found Jesus, and they asked, how'd you get here? Well, what they were really wanting from him, and again, we pointed out how rather incredible and maybe we might say incredulous was their response to Jesus when and you know and after they asked him, you know, how did you get here? And then Jesus he cuts right to the bottom line. He starts talking to them about this the spiritual message that he came to bring mankind, including them, and they were focused on physical things. So in verse 26, Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, you know, me miraculously heal, uh, feeding almost 5,000 men yesterday, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, probably a number of these men had seen other signs and miracles and wonders that Jesus had performed before the, the, the previous day and probably quite a number of them had at least heard of Jesus performing signs and wonders and miracles. But here Jesus is saying, you're not following me. You're not seeking me because of the signs. You're seeking me because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You had a good meal yesterday. He goes on that and says in verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. And then the incredible response on the part of the men: they said to Him, "What shall we do that we may work the good work, uh, work the works of God?" And Jesus said, "You got to believe. This is the work of God that you believe." And then they said, "What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do?" Now. He had just fed them miraculously the day before. Now they're asking for another sign, or maybe a number of signs. Again, rather insincere on their part, I think we, we, could, we could conclude. They had just seen an incredible miracle. They had taken part in it. They had eaten the meal themselves. And yet now they say, what sign will you, will you show us that we may believe? What? what greater sign do you want me to show you? How shallow is your faith at this particular point? And so huh, Jesus is not buying into that at all. And so he, he says in verse 32, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and and gives me or gives life to the world. And then he says in the next verse, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, they reminded Jesus in verse 30 and and 31 about how, and they say, our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, it wasn't Moses who gave them, your, your forefathers, going back hundreds and hundreds of years while they were wandering around in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. It wasn't Moses who gave them that bread. God fed them miraculously. God fed them miraculously. Now, when you see their, their focus here, reminding Jesus about their forefathers, again, going back many hundreds of years, having been fed miraculously during the 40 years that they wandered through the wilderness, they're, they're remembering they got fed yesterday miraculously. And it's time for breakfast or lunch today. <laughs> what sign will you perform? Did you not have your eyes open? You ate of that meal I, I, I fed you miraculously yesterday? You want another sign? How shallow is your faith? and your desire to come to the Savior. Now, in verse 41, where we left off last time, the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread of life, which came down from heaven. Now, let's, let's remember, verse 33, Jesus says, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to you. Verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life, Verse uh, 48, he says, I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread. And this particular theme goes on through verse 58. And so over and over, Jesus is trying to get across to those listening to him, questioning him, and even challenging him show us another sign. He understands they. Again, they wanted to make him king, but it was because of a less than pure motive, a less than spiritually focused motive, that Jesus wanted them to learn. He came as the Savior. Look again at verse 35 I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. He's not talking about physical food and physical water there. He's talking about from the spiritual perspective, perspective, spiritual sustenance. You follow me. You walk with me. You live by my teachings. You're going to do well spiritually. You're not going to come up short spiritually. You're going to be well-sustained in your faith. Well, so verse 41 again, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Uh, hmm. Go back to verse 14. Then these, Then those men, when they had seen the sign, Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. The prophet referring to the prophet who would come like unto Moses prophesied back in the book of Deuteronomy. And so here in in, in, in verse 42, Jesus says, I have come down from heaven. They have such a problem accepting Jesus fully as the Savior that now they, they're they they're wondering, how, how could he say he's come down from heaven? How could he say that? Why would he say that? How is it then he says, I have come down from heaven? Now, he said that, he said that of himself in verse 41. They question it in verse 42. Verse 43, Jesus then answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Now, how are we drawn to Christ? Through the Word. God is not prejudiced. Saving some people, choosing to save some people whether they want to be saved or not, and choosing to condemn other people even if they want to be saved, even if they want to come to him through Jesus. Now, that's, that's, not, that's not God. God calls all of us through the gospel, through the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1 and verse 16. And Jesus is basically teaching them the gospel here. I'm the Savior, the Son of God, come from heaven. I brought the message of salvation from the throne room in heaven. In verse 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. He's speaking of himself, Jesus is. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, has everlasting life. And then he says again, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. Now, remember, some of these men, they referred to being fed miraculously, at their forefathers being fed miraculously in the wilderness, going back to verses 30 and 31. Jesus says, yeah, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness that God provided for them, but they're dead now. Their physical life came to an end. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat and not die. He's trying to get them to shift gears to change their focus from physical well-being to spiritual life. And so he says, I'm, I'm the bread of life. I've brought you the message of eternal life, eternal life. So this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread, verse 51, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now, how's he going to give his flesh? As the bread of life. He's going to die on the cross as the perfect one-time-for-all-time sacrifice for our sins. John 3 and verse 16, Romans 5 and verse 8, Hebrews 2 and verse 9, Hebrews 7 verse 27, Hebrews 10 and verse 10. He's going to give his life. I shall give, what I, the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world, only through the sacrifice of Christ on that cross to pay the price as the ultimate perfect one-time-for-all-time sacrifice. Again, Hebrews 7 and verse 27, do we have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins, to be redeemed, bought back through that sacrifice and reconciled to God and have our sins forgiven and to be saved, and be able to look forward with confidence to eternal life through Christ, through his death on the cross. Verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, they're still thinking on the physical plane. That's where their focus is. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will give him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now how for my flesh is bread, in, I'm sorry, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me how does, how can, what did Jesus mean by he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood? Well, I think the primary understanding is he's been trying to get this cross, this theme across to these folks. He keeps telling them, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread. He who eats of me, he who eats of this bread will live forever. Forever. Will not hunger, will not thirst. Will not hunger physically ever, will not thirst physically ever. That's not what he's saying. Again, he's speaking on a spiritual level. He's trying to get across to them the spiritual message, I am the Savior. Now, what did he mean by eat my flesh, drink my blood? You've got to come to me. You've got to fully take part in the life that I've brought from heaven and that's the Christian life. You've got to be my follower. You've got to totally take me in. Now, how do we do that? Again, where does faith come from? Through the Word of God. We learn the teachings of Jesus Christ. We learn the gospel message of salvation. We learn that He is our Savior as we continue to study God's Word, and we make His Word. We make Him as our Savior, central in our life. We live our life, as the Apostle Paul put it in Galatians 2 in verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live. I live. Now, he still lived physically, but he says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, Galatians 2 in verse 20. So, We have to surrender our lives to Christ. And that's not just a verbal commitment. That's a lifestyle. It's a life that's lived for Christ and in Christ. That's what we what we have to do. That's what he he expects of us. That's what God expects of us. And so as we totally surrender our life to Christ, we are, from a spiritual perspective, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now, I think there's a secondary understanding here or application that's related to the Lord's Supper, which he instituted on the night of his betrayal. The bread, he said, this is my body, which is broken for many, and you're to eat of this. He gave them the cup, the fruit of the vine. He said, this is my blood shed for many for the remission of sins, And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, and I think this is a secondary application from what he's trying to get across, but I have a very difficult time not seeing a relationship in what he says to the Lord's Supper itself. As we partake of the bread, we are partaking of his body that was broken on the cross through the nails being pounded through his hands and feet the spear being thrust into his side, the crown of thorns being pushed down upon his head, and undoubtedly breaking the skin and having blood trickling down. And when the nails were driven through his hands and feet, he, they, they bled. When that spear was thrust into his side, the text tells us that blood and water came forth. And so as we eat of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week, Acts 20 and verse 7, then we partake of the body and the blood of Jesus in a spiritual way. Jesus keeps trying to get this, this group of folks to understand, I, I, I've not come as your physical Savior. I've come as your spiritual Savior. We begin with verse 60 now, as we close out this particular chapter. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Now, these are his disciples who are saying this. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Now, these are people who have become his followers, this particular reference in verses 60 and 61. And yet, even they are having a hard time understanding, grasping fully, and accepting what Jesus has been trying to get across repeatedly when he keeps telling that crowd of folks, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread. You have got to partake of me. You've got to live by my teachings. And then you'll have eternal life. So some of his disciples, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Uh, Jesus knew he would ascend back to heaven. Acts chapter 1 talks about that. It, It lays it out. It describes it for us. In verse 63, he goes on, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, and who would betray him and he said and he said, "Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless he has been granted unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Now again, he's not talking about predestination, he's talking about those who would come to him following the plan of salvation that God sent him to bring to mankind. We call that the gospel, the gospel message of salvation. Only through that gospel message of salvation, belief in it and obedience to it, can we come to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation. In verse 64, there are some, but there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Now, we're not talking about the original 12 apostles leaving him we're talking about many others who had become his followers. Verse 67, then Jesus said to the 12, see, there's the distinction. Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, did that mean that those 12 apostles, those original 12 apostles, understood everything, all the ins and outs, all the depths of what Jesus was teaching them as they walked with him day in and day out. And on this particular occasion, being an example, no. Even the night, even the night of his betrayal, before Judas led those Jewish officials to take him prisoner, The day before he goes to the cross, they still did not understand what was going to happen. Jesus knew, but they did not. They did not. But Peter expressed that deep and abiding faith. Jesus had asked them, are you going to leave also? Do you want to go also? Peter says, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Where should we go if we left you? You have the words of eternal life. Did they fully understand all of Jesus' teachings by this time? No. Again, if you look at John chapters 14, 15, 16, Jesus said, when I leave, and they still didn't even understand even at that point, and that's the night of his betrayal, next day he'd be on the cross." When I leave, I'm going to pray to the Father to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you, and he's going to guide you into all truth. They understood enough about Jesus on this occasion in John chapter 6 that they realized, no, there's no place else to go. There's no one else to whom to turn. You have the words of life. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? I'm not sure they even understood that statement, but Jesus was obviously speaking about Judas. The last verse in the chapter, verse 71, says, he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the 12. What an intense chapter. John chapter 6. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned from it. And I hope you have gotten the fuller and the broader spiritual message that Jesus tried to get across in that chapter to those men who were right there in front of him and were challenging him and were struggling with their faith in him, even some among whom had claimed to be his disciples, his followers. And some of them left him because they, they could not grasp the spiritual message. They were so focused on the physical side of life. How many people are like that right now? They have to look beyond just the physical realm, and they have to look to the spiritual message and the spiritual reality and the scripture teachings That are from God himself and make the proper applications to their lives. We'll pick up with chapter seven next time. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us your word to guide us. And we thank you, Father, for giving us the fuller picture through your word that has been written down for us now through the New Testament scriptures. Help us to understand it fully and to grasp it completely and make the proper applications to our lives consistently. Please guide us in this, Father, we pray. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.